Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. How's everybody doing this morning? I have a hat on this morning, and it might offend some people. I didn't have a hat on the first service, but my, my girl Diana, one of our members of our church, she came this morning. Diana's an older lady. She wore a hat. She had her rhinestones on it and all of that. And she was so hurt that I didn't have on my hat this morning. So I'm rocking my hat for Miss Diana, all right? So, you know, got mine on. She had hers leaning. I saw her out there worshiping. I was like, is, is somebody about to shoot up in here? Is that Miss Diana, you know? She had it kind of with a gangster lean on it. So, you know, it was beautiful, though. That's what's up. All right. It's Easter, y'all. Y'all excited? True indeed. That's what's up. I'm glad to see y'all here, man. We had an awesome first service. Um, and so I'm just, I can ease up a little bit. I was having to move through the sermon a little quick or whatever to make sure we were done, you know what I'm saying, and ready for y'all. A lot of people didn't know that we actually had two services this morning. And so a couple people showed up at 1030, and they were like, yo, what in the world's going on? I was like homie, you just early, yo, you know what I'm saying? You're early, so, you know, that's what it is. So, today we're going to be in Colossians 2, and, um, and uh, I was explaining in the earlier service, you know, when it's Easter, one of the things you could possibly fall into as a pastor is you wake up and you're kind of like, yo, it's Easter, you know what I'm saying? We're about to do the Easter show, you know what I'm saying? And um, my wife says, I I say, you know, I'm saying too much. So just expect 50 of those, all right? But, um, you know, you can easily go into the Easter show because it's Easter Sunday. And when I was approaching the scripture and the text I was going to preach, I kind of was like, man, God, what do you want me to do? I probably went through 50 different um, scriptures, and I landed, up, landed on Colossians 2. And to be honest with you, it's kind of a pre- peculiar text for, um, for an Easter Sunday. But when I actually just was praying about it, I'm like, God, what do you actually want to say to your church and to your people? This is where I I was led to, and I feel very strongly about what it is, and and it being a word that God really uh, is, I feel like he's impressed on my heart to preach it. So it's going to be a lot of uh, text, it's going to be a lot of reading, um, and I just want you to rock with it, with me through it, And, um, and then also I want you to understand that I really want you to get the context of this scripture because um, it's very just important to the, to, to the statement that it's making here. But basically, Paul is writing to the Colossians, and Paul is, um, he starts off talking about this struggle he has for the people. So y'all ready? We're going to read, all right? Colossians 2, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for, the, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. In verse 5, he says, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So, Paul, when he says, I have a great struggle, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Um, 
Paul, many often in his text, in his writings, he describes himself. He says, I find myself like in constant peril. In other words, he's saying, I feel like my life is always being threatened. Um, and, 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 and by definition, either his life is always being threatened or something that is dear to his heart is always being threatened, right? And so when he's talking about this struggle, the struggle he has for the people, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I have a struggle for like, I'm, I'm, I always have this concern. Um, if you're a parent here, then you know what it is when you have a kid. Like, that moment you have a kid, all of a sudden it gets really, really real for you. And all of a sudden you look at that baby and you're like, oh my God, this is real life right now. And then your words mean something more than they ever did. You know what I'm saying? Um, I understood my mom struggled with me when she was um, chasing me around the house with a shoe. Um, she never did that. <laughs> she, she would never go for an iron and throw it at me, never. But anyway, um, I'm good. All right. But, you know, but seriously, I, I understood her words when I had a kid. I understood that thing I saw in her face where it was like, son, you hear me, but you don't hear me. And I'm trying to give you words that are going to save your life. You know what I'm saying? Um, earlier I made the joke because, like, every time I brought a friend in my house, my mom was like, get away from that kid. He's headed to jail, and you need to get away from him. I'm like, Bobby's a good kid, mom. He's on the Abiano. He's a great kid. Next thing you know, I'm going right in the jail cell like this. Like, yo, mom, me and Bobby, I got caught up in something. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's no joke. That's real life. That's how it was going out. She was right every single time. She had that struggle, that concern. You get what I'm saying? She was in peril worrying about my life. You understand what I'm saying? So she was like, man, listen, attend to my words. Hear the words I'm saying. This is what Paul is doing right here in the scripture. I want you to really, really catch that, right? And so he says, what's the struggle about? He says, the struggle is that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mercy. Listen to that, being knit together in love. One of the things I always say inside of this church, we always continuously say this, esteeming others higher, higher than yourself. I always talk about loving your neighbor. I always say, if you, if you want to know what suffering is, if you feel like, man, you know, I just feel like we need more programs and everything, tap your neighbor and ask them what they got going on in their life. They'll put you on a program real quick, all right? They'll put you on a program. Try to love them and see what's going on with them. But that is the way that God actually knits our heart together in love. It's of vital importance. The reason I always say it is because I share this peril for our church. Because I always say this also, because of our context and the uniqueness of it, being black and white, and because we don't do the flattery game and we have real conversations, we are in jeopardy if we don't have real conversations. We are actually, that peril becomes very, very real for me. If we don't exercise the gift of mercy and forgiveness that God gives us to coexist together to his glory, then we're in bad shape. You get where I'm coming from? And so that's what Paul is hitting on here. He's pushing them to be knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. And then he says, which is in Christ, right? This is the big thing I want you to hear today, because what I'm going to be pushing is how pivotal it is for you to actually to understand that Christ is everything. And we're just going to follow his text because that's what he's doing today. He's actually taking everything and narrowing it down to Jesus Christ. Being our everything, all right? So we're just going to go on the journey with him. So he says, to reach for all 
for, to reach all the riches of full assurance and of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So let me back up real quick. When he says to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, that statement is meant to kind of whet the appetite of the person's mind who's like, I want to know the truth. You get what I'm saying? It's like meant for that person whose mind's like, man, look, forget all that. I want to know what the real deal is. He's like full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. He makes it very vast and he brings it back in, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Y'all see what he's doing there? He's like, listen, don't get caught up in all the other stuff. This is what it is. Don't get caught up in plausible arguments. Don't get in, caught up in people coming to you with stuff that sounds really, really good. Keep your eyes focused on Christ because it's the answer to everything. You feel me? I know Buddha is cute. I know the little belly thing and all that is tantalizing. You know what I'm saying? It messes with all of us. But he ain't got nothing for you. It's just a statue, all right? He's saying keep your eyes focused on the prize, right? Y'all know how Buddha, y'all know Buddha's cute. Come on. Anyway, so, but seriously though, he's telling them don't get swept away and stuff. Saying Jesus is everything. And it's ironic because today we celebrate Easter, right? We celebrate Easter. We celebrate Jesus every day, truth be told, right? His mercies are made new every morning. I'm telling you something that we should be rehearsing all the time. But today is actually specifically a monument. It's a monument that if you started drifting a little bit or you forgot, we come back and we re we're reminded that he died and resurrected for us. We get this every week in church. We get it throughout the week when we're in relationship. We get encouraged and everything else or whatever. But today we make a monument as the universal church family, right? But it's ironic because, like, he's saying don't get swept away with plausible arguments. But, you know, we hear all this stuff. Like, Easter's supposed to be a pagan holiday and all this other stuff, right? You heard that before? Anybody ever heard that? But here's the thing about being a Christian and being one of God's children. I explained it earlier like this. It's like being a drug dealer. When you're a drug dealer and you want some territory, you come take the block and you're like, yo, this is my block. What y'all going to do about it? We come and took Easter from the pagans like, yo, this is our day. What y'all going to do about it? We hear from the order of the king, you know what I'm saying? And we, we come and we ain't celebrating no pagan nothing. We celebrating the true and living king and we're going to do it on this day. And nobody's going to stop us from doing it. Do you get where I'm coming from? So we ain't been swept away by the plausible argument. We done brought the concrete and put it on top of the plausible argument. You get where I'm coming from? So today we celebrate Jesus and we celebrate the resurrection because we can. When, wherever we want to, in a jail cell, on a hilltop, in a mansion, in the hood, whatever, that's what we're doing. Jesus Christ only. I don't care whose day it used to be. This is our day now. You get where I'm coming from? Verse 6, he says this. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Listen to what he says in verse 7 to them. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught about to, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. He's talking about, when he makes this statement, he talks about being rooted and established. And when he ends that particular point with the word faith, it's because you have to have faith in God to keep going forward, right? Like, there's people in this church that were hit with tragedy this week. 
And when tragedy hits, the first thing we do is start looking at God like we're suspect of him. You understand what I'm saying? What he's saying is hold on to Christ and make sure your footing is sure in him and have faith even through the storm because you will be built up. You will be built up and he will establish you. It means that whether it's you're on the, you, you in the high life, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley, God is still faithful. So keep your faith rooted in him because he doesn't change. Your circumstances may change real quick, but he doesn't change. Y'all get where I'm coming from? He's trying to, he's talking to them like a father talks to his son and he's like, son, I'm trying to give you something that will hold you for the rest of your life. If you grasp this, nothing will be shaken from up under your feet. I don't care where you end up. This will hold you. You, you get where I'm coming from? Verse 8, he says this, and this is the statement. See to it that no one takes you captives. See, that, see to it that no one takes you captive, right? And then by what? Philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. He's basically saying if somebody comes trying to get you caught up in anything else but the truth of Jesus Christ, tell them to keep it moving. Because he already told you early on, everything we have in Christ. So don't even entertain anything else. By faith, put your flag in the ground and say, I'm standing here. I'm, put, I'm banking everything on Jesus. This is where my faith is at. Don't be getting all wishy-washy with it. Are you all with me? This is important because people get swept away all the time, even in this church. This is why I tell you to ask your neighbors, because there's people in the church right now who have just disappeared. I'm like, for what? All type of stupid stuff that is absolutely crazy, that makes no sense. But nevertheless, the devil is cunning, and that's how he pulls people away. That's why we have to stay in relationship and encourage each other, encourage each other and keep pointing each other to the word. This peril is not something that's just reserved for ministers and preachers. It's for the whole Christian body. It's for when you're sitting inside of the room, you glance over at sister so-and-so, and they don't look like they're doing too good, that you start wearing the weight of wondering how they're doing. And you, you're inclined to go ask. Or you haven't seen somebody in a while, Right? Or you know somebody's going through a struggle or whatever. You're just hearing about them hurting. So you're like, dang, this is disturbing my peace because you're loving your neighbor. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the peril that they're in. But let me, let me iron out to you and give you a, a broader understanding of what he's saying, philosophy and empty deceit. Because he gets kind of particular with it. If you jump down to Colossians 2, verse 16, he says this. He says, therefore... Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. He's basically saying, listen, don't let nobody judge you about what you're eating. Don't let people pull you into asceticism and all these things like, yeah, you can't do this and you can't do that or else you're not holy. And start using it as a stumbling block between you and Jesus Christ. He's saying whether you, whether you do it or you don't, don't let anybody get in front of you about Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't let them condemn you for not doing it or for doing it. You get where I'm coming from? Like some people like, where's my man Phil at? I had to ask, Phil, what's up with that bacon, brother? Do we eat bacon? <laughs> now, I know some people in here don't mess with bacon. But I can eat some bacon. So don't condemn me over it, all right? I'm just saying. It's in the scripture. No food or drink, no judgment. 
said over here about to throw up. I already know. He's like, oh, this girl. Or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. Basically, we're talking about Easter. That's what he's pinpointing. Some people might throw a rock at you for celebrating Easter and go, they may be grieved because they feel it's a pagan holiday. You may be looking at it like, homie, I'll praise Jesus whenever I want to. We didn't took it, like I said earlier. But regardless whether you stand, I'm not going to condemn you for not messing with it and don't condemn me for messing with it because if we're rooted in Christ, then we, we on point. That's what, he's tell, that's what he's saying. Don't let man start whipping you around in all these different things. It says these are a shadow of things to come, meaning they may have a little bit of truth on them, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, right? I didn't been in a church like that before, where the pastor just preached visions and everything, and in the middle of the night, he, I never heard about Jesus. He just had so God just speaks to him so much. I'm like, awesome. That's really awesome, but that's not going to help a brother. I need Jesus says, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Paul's talking this gangster stuff. He's talking about, he says, he says, who doesn't hold fast to the head. We are the body. We are the body. And it's saying that the body holds fast to the head and by that we are completely nourished and knit together and he get, he's get, he's turning to dr paul joints and ligaments and grows with a growth that is from god he is trying to go really really the extra mile to let you know like homie there's nothing else there's nothing else everything is in jesus christ do you get where i'm coming from he's in peril over this because if this gets missed then a lot gets missed this, this is a message for us today. The thing about this book of Colossians is that um, it's unique because when we think about New Age religion and all these different things and all these different philosophies, we always act like they're brand new. And we're like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, somebody else just came out with this or whatever, and it could be all these different movements, and it pulls in the Israelite and stuff and everything else, and then people start flipping it. Yo, it's old news. This is like thousands of years old. And he's already on it. The, that's why the book is regarded as being so modern because it, it, it almost feels like he looked out on Facebook and then went and started writing it last night or something. You get where I'm coming from? Because he's dealing even then with people with all these vain philosophies, grabbing people from the body of Christ that don't have sure footing in Christ and scooping them off in the wonderland. You get where I'm coming from? So this is important. The devil, does, this is his tactic. This is how he moves. So Paul's exposing him. And he points us to Jesus. The way he does it is by establishing who he is and the validity in him, the validity in, in who Christ is. In verse 9, he says this. He says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It means that, like in the Bible says, if you say that you have seen the father and you haven't seen the son, then you're a liar. But if you've seen the son then you've seen the Father. The fullness of God is in the Son. Do you get where I'm coming from? And then on that next part right there when it says, it says, and you have been filled in him, letting you know who you, who you are. Like, homie, there's no need to go anywhere. He's actually, all, all, nothing's been withheld from you in Christ. Nothing at all. You have it all. The fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. And it says, who is the head of all rule and authority? 
Yo, listen, if I get a chance to go work for Bill Gates, right? I want, if, I'm like, yo, I want to work for Bill. I don't want to work for Bill's secretary, right? Because Bill got all the, I'm like, Bill, where's the paper at, homie? I know you know where the money's at. He knows where the paper's at. The secretary doesn't know where all the paper is. Bill does, right? And so that's what it's saying here. It's saying, like, I'm the boss dog. The whole fullness is in me. I'm the head of rule and authority. I'm the boss. Why would you go anywhere else? By faith, lean into that. You get where I'm coming from? When I talk to somebody, people sometimes, they're like, man, this Christian walk, I'll tell you this right here, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's the hardest thing I ever did in my life. It really, really is. But I'll tell you something. It's never, ever, ever, ever boring. It's never boring. I've been walking with the Lord for like 16, 7 years. I ain't had a boring moment yet. Period. Period. When you lean into who he is, the head and rule of all authority, he doesn't waste anything. I don't care if you're getting an argument with somebody on the street today. He will use it for something. He will either teach you something, show you something, show you your sin, show you somebody else's sin, but he will make you rich off of that moment. He capitalizes off of everything. He even capitalizes off of your sin when you're sitting at home and feel like the bum of the earth. Even in that moment, if you will lean into the fact that he actually is the rule and king of kings of all authority, start talking to him. I guarantee you he will make the devil pay for trying to drag you down in that moment because he will take it and enrich you through, um, through it because he's devoted to you. And he's so devoted he put his son on the line to redeem you. So if you question his devotion, is he really for you? Come on now. You going to throw up one of your kids up for something you don't really care that much about? I'm just trying to get you to think soberly about this crazy thing we're in with the king of kings in this relationship. And that's what Paul is trying to do with them, right? Verse 11, he says this. He says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. And listen to this right here. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. So now he's starting to get into resurrection stuff. He's trying to let them know who they are, what has happened, how serious this thing is that they're involved in, right? He says, in which you were also raised with him through faith. There's the faith thing again in the powerful working of God. I just told you, even when you're in the middle of the storm, if you will have faith that God is actually working something, you will see the hand of God. You know when the best time to see God's hand is? When you're at the end of your rope. When you're so far at the end of your rope, you have nothing else to offer, and then there's only, the only thing left is to grab on the God's rope. The only thing left is, only, is to grab on like, listen, God, this thing is a mess. I have no answers for it, and my hope is only in you. That's when you'll see God start acting crazy. That's a good place to be. It's not a place we like to be, but it actually is the best place for us. But that's what he's saying here. Through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. There goes the, the resurrection again. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Here it goes again. God made alive together with him. He keeps paralleling us with the death of Christ and with the resurrection of Christ. God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by the canceling the record of debt that stood against us with this legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So let's just go back real quick to verse 11. How? 
It says, by putting on the body of the flesh. That's the death of our self. It says, by putting, excuse me, putting off the body of the flesh. That means that we are actually casting off. These, y'all were in the last service, but the people got baptized. That declaration that they just made is that when they go into the water, they're being buried with Christ. And when they raise up, they're coming back alive with them. There's a simultaneous work of his resurrection. They're saying, I'm actually in Christ. I'm taking the old me and I'm burying the old me. You get what I'm saying? One of my friends came over my house this week and he was like, he's in a dilemma in life or whatever. He just, he, he, while we're sitting together, he got this crazy phone call. And he was just like, oh, man, my life, man, this and that. And I was like, so you got to kill that dude, bro. And he's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, you, you need to kill him. What do you mean? I said, yo, you need to kill that dude. I said, your old you is always trying to strangle what God is doing in you. I said, you need to let him die. And I go, you actually like that dude a little bit too much. You keep trying to keep him alive. So you need to let him be buried, the old you, so Christ can begin to work in the new you. You get where I'm coming from? It's, it's the dying of yourself. The old Jay's done. God, how can I serve you? I see what you've done on the cross. And I know you've given me this. The Bible says no, no, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what he has for us in eternity, right? So why not pour everything out right now? Let the old me die so I can walk in him. You get where I'm coming from? That's what he's describing here. I just want you to really, really grasp that. By putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, what I was just telling you, right, in which you were also raised in, with him through faith in the power working of God who raised him from the dead. And he says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So listen, I want to read this to you right here. This is Ephesians 2 because I think it reiterates this with a little bit more explanation, all right? Two, verse 2, he says, uh, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Um, the thing about Paul, what Paul often does, um, anybody seen the karate kid up in here? Remember, they was like, yo, sweep the leg, Johnny. Y'all remember that? It's my favorite part, yo. It's my favorite part. Paul always does the sweep the leg, Johnny, on you. He, 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 he makes sure you don't get cute in the middle of hearing this. Because sometimes people are like, you are the righteousness of Christ. And they egg you up, like get you really hyped and all that. And you're like, yeah. And you walk away thinking you're actually awesome and not thinking Jesus is awesome, right? Not thinking God is awesome. So Paul does a sweep the leg, Johnny, on him. You know what I mean? So he straightens off the bat. He's like, yo, and you were dead in the trespasses of your sins. Don't talk about people outside the church like those people. Those people were you, people. You get where I'm coming from? So he makes sure you don't get forgetful of that. Because if you forget, then you can't actually savor the beautiful flavor that God has bestowed upon us through his grace and mercy. You can't be grateful about it because you think you actually did something to earn it. You understand what I'm saying? You can't accept the fact that you're damned with no hope outside of Jesus. So he makes sure you don't forget. I love it. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. 
He's like basically calling them Satanists. He's just going in on it, right? Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He's making sure, you know, sometimes we talk from this really righteous place like we are so mad at what's happening in the world out there. And in this self-righteousness, we disconnect ourselves from it. Paul's like, no, nah, homie, that, that was you. That, that's you. He goes, he goes, the same power that's working through the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Make sure you know what it is. Don't get cute. Don't separate yourself. Because if you do, you won't want to go lavish people with the gospel and the good news of the cross. Because you'll just put yourself in this box, good box, they're in the bad box, and sorry it didn't work out for y'all. That's how you kind of roll with it. But if you can actually taste the fact that you were just saved out of this box by God's mercy and grace, you'll have a heart to go back over there and spread the good news. Let me keep on moving through this real quick. So after he sweeps the leg, this is where he goes. He says, but God, not you, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with, with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, resurrected us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You are the subject of God straight stunting. You get what I'm saying? Straight flossing. Y'all remember when 50 Cent came out and he had the chain, that spin? And everywhere he go, anytime he do an interview, like the, he'd just be on like 2020, like, yeah, I used to be a gangster or whatever. And he just stood and just spin. And he wouldn't even look at it. He just, just let that joint spin, like diamonds everywhere. And everybody get dizzy and just fall out. Boom. You know what I'm saying? God is just like, yo, he's just straight flexing with us. He's like, we are his handiwork. It's not that you're awesome. He's awesome. And he is flexing his mercy and grace to sinners. He got you on the chain spinning. It's my children. I just saved them. Just straight thieves and crooks, all of them. Drug dealers, everything. Prostitutes, all of them all in there. My children now, redeemed, flawless, spotless. Got us on the chain spinning. Some people are going to have to look that up. You're going to have to look up 50 Cent and find the chain. Because you're not appreciating it. I could already see you're not appreciating it, whatever. You know what I'm saying? All right. Eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Works that bring glory to God. Work that involves suffering. I want to make sure that word is in there too. Because the Bible says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Because if you try to step into these good works he's talking about, it's going to require some selflessness. It's going to requ require sacrificing. It's going to require, require all the things that embody love, patience, long-suffering. But it's going to be to his glory, right? He gets the, the wine out of you. He presses it. It takes some pressure for it to happen. You get what I'm saying? You don't get to just be a pretty grape on the shelf. He, 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 he puts the weight on you to get the juice out, to get the good stuff out. Um, Y'all are going to have to try to figure out all these different sayings that are coming. I don't know what's going on or whatever. This is the second service. I think I'm getting belligerent. I don't know. All right, Romans 8, real quick. It's the good news right here. 
says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. For there, for there, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of the sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So let me break that down to you, because this is the this is the gangster stuff. Like. Just grab a hold of it and work through it later, because if you grab a hold of it now, you're going to start throwing chairs around and everything. It's going to get crazy up in here. Right. Said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means when you wake up every day and you feel like a wretch, I don't know about you, some, day, some days I don't even, I ain't even do nothing. I just wake up and I feel like the devil's just next to my bed like, you suck, man. <laughs> you do, look at you. You've been saying you're going to diet for like eight years, man. You're the worst. He's just on me. And I'm just like, get off me, man. And then I go look at the Bible, whatever, and I'll be like, oh. and then I just start eating some cookies on top of the Bible and stuff. And I'm just like... It's, it's a mess. The mask be looking good, but it's a mess, G. It looks ugly. And it's like that. I'm being serious. I'm joking. But, like, sometimes it's a mess. And in those moments, yo, my fight back game is it's, it's really based in this scripture right here. It's that he's already won the fight, that there's no condemnation. You understand what I'm saying? Even on my worst day, I can grab that in one second, and it's true. The, the devil literally... This, this joint right here is used in actual legal terms. It's used in legal terms. You understand that? It's just the legal demands. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. <coughs> I'm going to ask you this real quick. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? So a casket is for dead people. And if the wages of sin is death, it means that it's for Sinful people, right? So would it not be true that if I'm actually sinless, then death has no jurisdiction over me, am I right? Because death rules and reigns over sinful people. And, and this is why the resurrection is so important. This is why the resurrection, Christ coming up out of grave three days later, is so relevant and so important and something for us to savor. Because, you know, God plays by the book. He's a judge. He's not a crooked judge. He plays by the book. Jesus went to the cross willingly. Nobody tricked him. He didn't get outdone. He willingly went to the cross. Look what it says. He said, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he came in the flesh, but he wasn't sinful. So he goes to the cross, and the wrath of God that's meant for all of us sinners is poured out on Jesus because he's the only, he's the Lamb of God. He's the only person righteous enough to atone for our sins, a perfect offering, right? His purity is beyond the wretchedness of the whole entire world, right? Everybody in the world's jacked up, but you can't find one person who's ever walked in the flesh that's pure besides Jesus. So the wrath of God is poured on Jesus, and then he goes in the grave. He's dead. 
and everybody thinks it's finished. But the grave couldn't hold him, right? So he's dead. He walks up on death like, yo, homie, I'm about to bounce out of here, man. I got a meeting or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, know, you can't go anywhere. I'm deaf. I'm the ruler of eternal death and separation from God. He's like, you don't get it, G. Um, hit my papers or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just read it right there, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, yeah, you can only hold people that are sinful or whatever. My father's the lawyer up there. You can't hold me. And then he struts up out of there. You get where I'm coming from? And he's out the grave. I'm just trying to give you a picture. This is a legal shakedown. This is a boss move. This is I'm going to take your territory move. This is I'm taking your pagan Easter holiday move. You get where I'm coming from? Like that's what he literally did. He played the devil for a sucker. Look how he ends it right here. In verse 15 he says this. It says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's what God was doing through Jesus on our behalf. That's why we come here for Easter. Because the resurrection, it, it, what it says is this right here. It says that he is God, that Jesus is God, that he is deity, right? That he's not just a man. It says that he's actually innocent because death couldn't hold him. And it actually secures our innocent. It makes the work that he did on the cross beautiful for us because we know that the grave can't hold us. So when he tells us promises about eternity with him, we know it's just not just sweet nothings. You get where I'm coming from? Paul said it like this right here. He said uh, when he's discussing um, um, the resurrection, he says if the dead are not raised, he's pondering if it isn't true. He said, yo, if it's not true, he said, let us drink and party basically. He said, let's get our party. This, this party like it's 1999, all right? That's Prince. I'm 40 years old. Y'all know about that. But for y'all people that know, you know what I'm saying? Let's party like it's 1999 because he says tomorrow we die. So let's party today. So it makes sense for people who are perishing. Go straight buck wild. But for us who have eternity waiting on us, who have something that no eye has never seen, right, no ear has ever heard. Nobody's even imagined. We can't even begin to imagine on our best day of creativity what God has in store for us. So what does a, what is, what is a car or whatever the world has to offer mean to us? It means nothing. It's, it's pitiful. We look like suckers going after everything the world has to offer to miss everything that's on the back end, which is beyond what man can fathom. You understand what I'm saying? And the resurrection is what we hold to. It's the exclamation point about what God has done for our life. And that's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate Easter on the pagan holiday, because our Father is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's my sermon, y'all. You know what? Hold on. That's not my sermon. I'm going to read one more scripture for y'all real quick. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 15, I want to leave you with this right here. It says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, it means when your flesh, when you do the switch over and you start walking in the spirit, when you go from death to life, right? The flesh is perishable. The spirit is eternal. It says when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come, the, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Y'all ready? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always bounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand real quick. We're going to take communion. Listen, if anybody's in here, I'm just going to be, I'm not even going to give you a long speech. If you're in here and you have never been baptized and you want to be baptized today, <coughs> excuse me, come grab me on the side of the stage over here, me or either uh, Pastor Shirky, uh, Pastor Jeremy, and we want to talk to you. Um, you heard the message. You heard the good news of the gospel. And um, so I'm not going to add on to that. But... <clears throat> It's available for you. And if God is doing a work in your heart right now where he's drawing you towards him, let us have that conversation. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Everybody in this room, we're family in here, and we are tied together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And actually, we're about to take communion together. And we do this as a family, not because it's tradition, but it's something that we do every single week. And it's because his body was broken for our iniquities and his blood was spilled for our sins. And the word of God says for us to come together and do this in remembrance of him. It says, don't do it if you're not a believer. So if you're not a believer and you're still working through stuff, have a seat and relax. Or just come grab me and we can talk through it. But as a family, for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is what we do every single week. Our heart is knit in this right here. We're not perfect. You hang around this for a while, you'll find out we're not perfect people. We can be selfish, we can be jerks, we can be all of that. But the God we follow is perfect, and he's not done with us. We're a work in progress, and we're learning to walk, toge walk together to his glory. And so let me pray this out really fast. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace, Father. We thank you, Father, Lord, that um, you didn't leave us stranded in our sin, that you did something that no man could do, and you sacrificed the utmost of all sacrifices, Father Lord, when you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and then to raise three days later and secure our resurrection and to make the emphatic statement that you are the way, the truth, and the light, Father Lord. So we just praise you and we thank you for that. We thank you for um, bringing us all in this room through our life paths and how we've all landed here and the friendships and relationships we have here. We thank you for the people that are new here that are becoming a part of, um, you know, that are just a part of our family. And if they're just visiting for a day, Father Lord, help us to love them well. Pray that nobody leaves out of here without being noticed and giving a hug or whatever the case may be. But um, I thank you, Father Lord, that we get to do this. Um, I think that we, on the corner of Liberty and Confederate, have one of the best views on earth. Um, and I know we're partial about that, but I thank you, God, that we're able to do this work here for your glory and that you've called us to it. I pray that, um, I pray that we just see people come to you and see who you are, Father Lord, and that they would not budge on, um, on holding to you as the head of this body, Father Lord. Um, I pray that even with our flesh in the way it fights us and it tries to dull the excitement and the beauty of what you've done in our hearts, um, that even when we feel heavy as we um, ponder who you are and can't see to see it clear, can't seem to see it clearly, that we would have hidden in, in our hearts your word and the declaration of who you are and still know that it's true. So we claim you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords today. 
and Lord of our lives, Father, Lord, um, that you, we thank you for directing our path and our steps. We thank you, Father, Lord, that even the hardest situations, um, they can't shake who you are and what you've done and, and the promises that you've given us. So in our good seasons, we're still immovable, and in our rough seasons, we're still immovable as we keep our eyes on you. So I thank you for your faithfulness that you never change, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.